Uh, what do you want to talk about first? We've got we don't have too much, but uh, I think the MacBook Pros are still interesting because I had a show before Thanksgiving with Jason Snell, but at the time we had recorded that, it was sort of at the time I like maybe possibly early orders were like unboxing their MacBook Pros, but at the time it was really just people who had the the review units who'd had them, whereas now. Lots and lots of people have MacBook Pros. We have some real-world experience. Might as yeah. well talk about it first. Yeah, and I reached out to you because I was when I you. Um, I, I really enjoyed your review, and then let me let me pull up what you said about my review. Um, I don't remember. <laughs> it was it was good, and I was like, I need to come on the podcast and defend myself. Um, and and you know what we all what also we can talk about because I'm gonna I decided I'm going to put the mic right up against the MacBook Pro keyboard so um, even though your 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 listeners your listeners don't like loud sounds I can just be typing on my MacBook Pro the entire time and which will annoy them or <laughs> that maybe is, that won't annoy them that is a good topic I I'm glad you brought that up I would have been furious if if we'd hit stop and Rick stopped recording and never brought up the the sound the loud on the keyboards um, right. What did I say? Let's see. I can find it first. Oh, so you said, um, so you said, very good take as usual. It felt really good to get that. And then I, I, I say that it that it's baffling. Let me. I'll quote what I what I wrote. Mm. I said, um, why this isn't available, and this is the the Touch ID isn't available on all of Apple's MacBook laptops, especially the entry level 13 inch No Touch Bar Pro is baffling. And you said, not baffling at all. Well, maybe you should do it. You should read your own things. It's like an interactive reading no, I, of your, yeah, you should of your do posts. It. You should, well, I, don't. I should do like your your voice. What I think is your voice. You're like, yes, yeah. You should just do my voice. Not baffling at all. With Apple, you have to pay for awesome new stuff. Is that a good impression? <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I think Touch ID combined with the secure enclave is a is at least half the value of the entire Touch Bar. It's funny because I would say, uh, no pun intended, your impression your impression of me is is a little stern. <laughs> it is much better than my wife's, though. My wife's impression of me is always sort of that I'm like adult. Uh, you gotta pay for the touch bar. That's how that's how Amy does does me, and it's pretty. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I actually just hear your voice. I don't hear I don't hear whatever voice I did. That was just like a. That's just what I yeah. A blogger, a, a man with a computer, you know, that's what I uh, picture all, all men with computers, not baffling at all. <laughs> uh, but you know what, I, this is exactly what I mean. Now. What I mean by that, and you know, it's the format of Daring Fireball that I try to be... No, I, do uh, no apologizing. What's that? Are you apologizing for, for uh, No, my... I'm not apologizing, but... I I sometimes wonder if it's easy to it's easy to be a little because I'm so terse sometimes that it's you know I, I that's this is why I sort of like having a podcast on the side is that we can go on lengthy digressions over I mean I'm looking at it right now two sentences <laughs> uh, you know it's when when something new comes out like uh, Touch ID it's only available on the premium priced models. And you have to wait, you know, and I'm sure like a year from now, the, the mid-range model will probably be upgraded with, you know, the touch bar. I, I hear that, but let's, let's think about how long iPhone owners have had touch ID. 
almost, I would say now, what, 90% of iPhone owners have Touch ID? Yeah, I would think so. Uh, it's right? I mean, how many, like, going back to... 5S, right? Intru- right. So, okay, maybe a couple, uh, I, I don't know. I don't have the percentages. You know, really only Apple has the percentages. But um, that's that's a long time. And we've all gotten used to using it on our iPhone. And it's great. It's 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 magical really you know, the the fact that you're able to do so many things now with your 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 fingerprint and you don't have to punch in passwords it it really made lives better it makes your life better on the MacBook Pro why can't i do it on a MacBook why can't i do it on really just the MacBook because that's really the only two new laptops that Apple has um it just it kind of makes sense, and and on and on the and on the thirteen inch no touch bar, which is supposed to be, I think what they thought would be a very sort of not entry level for fifteen hundred dollars, obviously, but this basic model, it seems like you could have this without the touch bar. Now I know there's a lot of technology that you could that that comes along with the touch bar, but I don't know. It just seems like it it, it should be there. My guess is that part of it is product marketing. Meaning, putting the this appealing new feature only at these higher price points. What I think it's like seventeen ninety nine for the f- first one that has the touch bar. Yeah, um, eighteen hundred versus fifteen hundred for the entry. Right. I say uh, I keep saying entry level, but it's I guess it is entry level for the new yeah. MacBook Pros, right? I mean, right. and it's you know clearly was, clearly occupies the mid range of the overall lineup. It is. Right. I would right. say it is the central you know it's the very middle of the lineup that and right. like, you know combined with the high-end regular macbook are sort of right there around the same price point and it's you know which one do you want the super thin and light or the more powerful one right and i think my recommendation i i had i struggled with this review more than any review i've written in a number of years because to me there wasn't a very clear you should get this one um, not that I usually tell people you should get this one, but it, that you just sort of you, you talk through what you may want. But it was so complicated, and when you looked at that 13-inch without the Touch Bar, without Touch ID, without the extra ports, with the slower processor, it's like why? Even though that seems like the one you'd you'd want to recommend to people, right? If you don't need the Touch Bar, get this one. But you. But you can't really say that because it doesn't have Touch ID. It doesn't have the extra ports. And you're sort of like in this place where you're like, you should pay $300 more to get this other one, even though you might not use the touch bar. Yeah. And if you compare that model, the new 13-inch, as it's called, the MacBook Escape, right? Uh, Right. If you compare that one to the remaining old generation 13-inch MacBook Pros that they're still selling – the ones that have the SD card slot mm-hmm. and it, you know the old school uh, USB A ports, uh, it's old a, school. That, that's a tough decision for that would be a tough decision even for me personally. Like if I that, and that was the t- that's my entire review, right? Like my entire review was there's a new thing, it's good. I I, do, I don't think it's bad. It's very good. There's a lot of great things in it, but there's this old thing. That is also still really good, even though it hasn't been updated in many years. And I don't really know which one to tell you to buy. So let's just go through what's good here, what's bad there, and you decide. Yeah. Um, and I still, like I, like, I don't even want to think about 
uh, like, I'm happy we did this podcast like a couple weeks after because like my brain hurt from thinking about MacBooks so much. Yeah, like, I agree. It's, it's It was actually great timing because it was happening during the election and it was a good <laughs> escape in a way. Yeah. Escape. It was, it was the nope. election escape key. Um, that's pretty good, actually. So the, it was the MacBook was the esca- election escape key for me. You know, like I I spent a lot of hours like being able to think about laptops and not being able to not having to think about uh, what the disaster that was happening everywhere else. So I will say this: I I think you have a very good point that maybe it has taken too long for Touch ID to come to MacBooks in general. That if you know if we had it on iOS all the way back to the 5s, why is November 2016, the first time it was available for the Mac. There, I think you have a strong point, and I can't really refute it. It seems to me like, if anything, more proof on the side of... Right. If you had a video podcast, you'd see me dancing in my office right right now. (laughs) That (laughs) iOS is the favored child of at Apple, and the Mac is the, you know, know, second second fiddle. I think that, you know, you could definitely argue that. I, it it might even be hard to argue otherwise because how how long ago was the five S last year was the six plus six six plus six S six S the year yeah, before so was the six the year before so three years ago was when the five S was new that's pretty four, long right right yeah. or four four years ago right yeah um so that's pretty long and I I agree with that what I'm not surprised by my take is that. Whenever it did first appear on the Mac, of course it's going to start only at the high end and then trickle down year year after year. So I think you have a good point that maybe the first Macs with Touch ID should have appeared across the lineup, uh, like eighteen months after the five S or something like that. Yeah, and and also, and across the lineup is my well is across my big the lineup, thing, you know. But across the lineup, never wouldn't would hap- wouldn't happen all at once. It would, but but then if it had happened, right, right, right. if it had happened. Two years ago, then by now it would be across the lineup, right? Well, or at least why didn't it come with the MacBook? And it was that was in my review when I reviewed the MacBook when it first came out. Why is this not here? And why is it still not there? Right? Yeah, it could be. I mean, maybe it's maybe I, I would you know I, people have had it now. You're, like you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, people now have had the these new MacBook Pros. Maybe they aren't finding that it's a huge game changer for them, but. I mean, I I like it a lot, you know, and I'm I'm waiting for the dash lane integration, um, but like I I I use it. I I, I mean, I hate typing in passwords, yeah. and I and I clo- open and close my laptop like all day long. Yeah, and it's you know, it's, uh, have you set up the thing where you can log into your Mac with your watch? I haven't. I haven't either because I went to do it and it it seemed like it was going to take like an hour. It was yeah, like it was like a thing. It, it's like you've got to like turn off two factor authentication and turn on two something else authentication and <laughs> it it really seemed like more trouble than it was worth. Especially yeah. since I don't wear my Apple Watch all the time. And mm-hmm. it just and I use a couple of different Macs. It just seemed like and it was going to be set up on each device. And at the same time, I knew that I'd be testing the touch bar one soon enough. Uh, so it just, right. I, I never did it. And I've heard yeah. from people that it's not even that fast. If it's not, it's cool, it works, but it's not, it may not be as fast as typing the password that I have in muscle memory that, you know, when I sit down. But I'll tell you, just logging into the thing with putting your finger up there, boy, that's yeah. great. Just makes sense. And it's like, and what's funny, just going back to, 
Apple not having put this on laptops for years is like the whole idea of fingerprint sensors and technology really began on enterprise Windows laptops, right? They were terrible. They were so bad. You'd have to either swipe your finger in like the exact right direction. And then even then you'd get through like three different software layers that would say like whatever this, you know, whoever was making the, the, the fingerprint sensor would have their software. Then you'd have Windows software. And you know, Apple just fixed that with the iPhone, right? They fixed that with Touch ID. And then the entire Android in- industry followed suit. Um, just like, why was it never on laptops? Yeah. Um, so I, you know, uh, I, I I don't blame, I, I'm not surprised. I, I kind of, I, you know, circle back. I think, I wish Touch ID had come to the MacBooks earlier. I think this is pretty late. But now that it's here, I really like it. I'm not surprised it doesn't go across the whole line. I do wonder how much Apple debated internally whether to release that MacBook Escape at all. I can't help but think that that was a discussion. It just, it's like, why? It's, It's a weird, it's a weird product. And it's very confusing. It, I think if that product had either been $300 cheaper, right? Let's mm-hmm. say, well, then that would be like right up against the MacBook and that would be confusing. Um, the whole the whole lineup is very confusing to me, but, well, not really. The, not the whole lineup is very confusing to me with the old models and then with that 13 in, the new 13-inch no touch bar, it's very confusing to me. Why, I think if that product didn't exist, it might be a little bit easier or if the price was dropped. My guess is that it's because they, this is my best guess, is that they clearly for the last few years, quite a few years, they don't significantly change their Mac hardware on a regular right. basis. Like I think we can safely assume that these new MacBook Pros are what the MacBook Pros are going to look like for at least three years, probably yeah. four. Um, Forever. Yeah, for a long time. And at the most, the most they might do would be add new, like, anodization finishes. Maybe totally. Maybe add a gold one or something like that, or a a new version of black or something like that. Right. Um, And so I kind of feel that that $1,500 MacBook Escape isn't really there to sell in great numbers right now, but it's there because it'll you know, six months from now or a year Mm -hmm. from now, it will move down, you know, it'll be $1,300 instead of $1,500 a year from now. And maybe technically unchanged. Like they'll do the thing where they don't change any of the, um, yes, any of the internals. And eventually it'll be like a $1,200, $1,100 MacBook with, you know, two USB, Mm -hmm. you know, with, that's a pretty good machine for an entry level person. And maybe that is the machine that goes to, to fill the, the MacBook Air void, right? I mean, for now, the MacBook Air sticks around. Apple's saying it very loud and clear. The the MacBook Air sticks around. They know how much people love it. Um, we can talk very, you know, we could talk about some of us who have, have considered stocking up on the MacBook Air because we think it might be taken away at some point. Um, but maybe that is, that's the thought process, right? Like if, and in my mind, right? And for someone who's constantly asked about laptops, uh, less less so more you know recently, but um, if the no touch bar thirteen inch what is it called the Escape the MacBook is MacBook Pro Escape was let's say a thousand dollars 
I think it's going to be a while before it gets a thousand. I, I, I agree. I agree. Agree. But if it was, I would have. It would be a great system for students, right? Put aside the dongle situation. It would be a good. It would be a great recommendation for students, right? Um, and price is part of it, but also you know, all the other things that add to it, right? It would be great if it had touch ID. So. Okay, so let's say it comes down to twelve hundred, like you're saying, or thirteen hundred. I think it it is a much easier sell than it being fifteen hundred dollars. Mm. Uh, I also think that it's that the the touch bar, um, as a whole, including you know not just the actual display, not just the touch screen, but the touch ID sensor and the secure enclave and the the stuff that lets that. You know, it is, it, you know, it really is kind of fascinating at, at a meta level that it really is an iOS computer inside an Intel computer. You know, mm-hmm. it's a computer in a computer. It's, it's, a, it's an input device that is itself a standalone computer, including a display. Um, I think it is a, it really is probably a, you know, 200 to $250 component that the price mm-hmm. difference between them, it, it's a significant um it, it's you know almost certainly you know it's way more expensive than the the trackpad or the keyboard it's a very expensive thing and it's it's not you know it's it's a pretty simple explanation why they start at $1800 it's because they all you know the ones with the touch bar have a very expensive component at the top of the keyboard totally and i'm and i don't have as big of a problem with the $1800 starting price on the touch bar i mean i, I think it's high absolutely um but when you consider that versus the $1300 macbook old macbook pro where where that starts um it to me that that one in the middle just doesn't make sense the escape macbook pro yeah i, I have like, a hard time recommending i really would you know, and, and because, even even the fact that it only has two ports instead of four right that's the right. one that if there's one thing as the weeks go by that irks me the most about that is that it doesn't have the USB-C ports on the other side. Yeah. At $1,500. It seems to me, I understand, I really do understand why it doesn't have even the touch ID because I think that you can't really separate the touch ID mm-hmm. from the fact that it's this whole, you know, it doesn't make sense sure. to do a very, like the, to have touch ID, you'd still have to have an iOS device. It would just be an iOS device without the touch screen. Thing, mm-hmm. but it would still have to have a miniature iOS device to have the secure enclave and and all of that. I don't think it would be worth it for them to do the engineering to make it. I think I it's see. sort of yeah. A, um, but so but yeah. it's for fifteen hundred dollars. It really seems weird to me to cheap out on USB C ports. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, and I'm in this. I'm in the place where I want a new laptop, right? I've had this MacBook Air for three years now. Um, I have like beat it into the ground. It's a great system. It could probably, you know, keep going for someone who doesn't do as much stuff on their laptop as I do. And I, I don't really know what to get. Like, I keep going back and forth between the old 13-inch Pro and the t- new Touch Bar. Um, you know, and I even ended my review saying maybe I'm holding out for one of these price drops or something. Um, but it seems like odd to me that I still really want a two-year-old computer. Um, and part of it is the ports. Like part of it is, I mean, I'm I'm using the Mac, the new MacBook Pro with Touch Bar to podcast right now. And I've got two of the, uh, you know, $40 dongles out of the sides. I've got, you know, the, the one with the HDMI hooked up to my monitor. I've got the my external mic 
plugged in. I've got Ethernet plugged into the other one. Um, that doesn't. This isn't like a typical setup for me, but you know that could be one of the things. Um, yeah, the SD card slot is a is a thing for me. I don't know. Um, I came here for you to tell me what to do. Well, it, on the the other thing, I wanted I just wanted to mention is that one of my favorite things about the new one, and this is another one of the reasons why I'm I'm kind of annoyed that the that the MacBook Escape only has the two ports is that one of my favorite things about the new thing is that you can plug the power on either side. And it seems like that right. it's a decent trade-off with losing MagSafe. I mean, it's it's like I, I really miss MagSafe. That's a good point. But being able to plug it in on the right side in a lot of cases is really makes it a lot more convenient. There are certain like... Uh, I don't know why, but I always feel like every time I ride the Acela between Philly and New York, and I, if I'm lucky enough to get one of those seats with the the table, right? Uh, it's a re- you've done it right, and it's a mm-hmm. really, really it's you know it's nice to have a table, but you're facing it's like a it's like like a table right. for anybody who doesn't know the uh, Amtrak on the East Coast. There's there's some seats on the Acela trains that you you face people on the other side, and in between you is a very narrow table. Um, but it's really great, and if you can get one of those seats, and I always feel like every time I do that, I, I, the seat is like means that I have to like snake my power cord around people, you right? Know, it's because you're 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 like sitting left. Yes, or, I always yeah. am sitting on the left, and it would be it would be you know it's not like wow that really changes my life that I right. don't have to drag the cable around the outside of my computer and plug it in, but it would sure be a lot nicer if I could just have it sneak snake up right next to my lap and just plug it in on the right side. And no, the, that's a really good point. Like, and I, you know, maybe, maybe part of the reason I've always chosen the left side of the bed is because of MagSafe. <laughs> that's possible, <laughs> right? What if that's true? I didn't even think about that. But people using laptops <laughs> in bed, it's I not. I use f- my laptop in bed like all the time. Yeah, I'm a phone. I uh, iPhone in bed I'll, only and always. Uh, yeah, I mean, me too, but I like, you know, if I'm writing late at night yeah, and I know I'm just like, I don't want to be sitting at my desk or yeah. I'm. It's doing true. That's a good edits. point, though. Right side of the bed people have been screwed for uh, forever. But in my la- in our last two pla- two apartments, I always have chose the left side. Yeah, yeah. that's very selfish of you, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, you know, my wife doesn't love MagSafe as much as I do, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> she's probably like who cares right <laughs> right and interestingly like you know usually you pick based on like which side is closest to the bathroom right like that that's usually one of the, mm. the choices at least for women right. um well, i guess men too men men pee in the middle of the night right? oh yeah it's like a thing all the time i don't live with a man so i don't know anyway um and so in this apartment i'm on the left side and that's not even the closest to the bathroom Right. So I think it is the answer. MagSafe yeah. has determined what side of the bed I sleep on. Yeah. Um, anyway, I still don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, and I'm just gonna keep just figuring it out. And yes, we had I had this funny conversation on Twitter last night with Walt Mossberg because apparently on his <laughs> podcast he mentioned that he has bought and uh, I guess it's a recent, it's the newest model of the MacBook Air, and he has this model in the box unused stored in his house till his current one stops working because he's worried Apple's going to discontinue it. This is this is a thing. He's stockpiling and saving up for doomsday of the MacBook Air. And you uh, agreed with disappearing. him. You were like that's a great 
<laughs> like that's a I great think idea. It's a genius idea. <laughs> it's like <laughs> so it's like you've got like it's like a Y two K shelter. You've got like you know a bunch of canned food. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm like one. I'm one of those people that like if I have a shirt or something that I love, I have a, I will buy a couple of of I'll, yeah I'll buy I'll buy a couple versions of the shirt I'll buy like I, I do that I, I do that and so I just never really thought about doing it for tech in a way, hmm. uh, especially not a laptop that costs over a thousand dollars. Yeah, I don't. I don't really have that kind of money where I want to just like save a thousand dollar laptop in my closet. To be honest, I I chimed in on Twitter and I <laughs> I was like, "You guys are nuts!" Because I I can't I can't yeah, understand. And I said back, "You're right. We, we are. We are." I it's am, a non retina totally screen. It looks terrible. Ben Thompson, <laughs> my friend of the show, sometimes guest Ben Thompson, had the same feelings where he felt like. Uh, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but more or less that the the yeah. nice things about the MacBook Air that you like the keyboard, you like the thinness, you like the weight, you like having a couple of those different ports. He bought one too. Like like I, I'm going to buy one while it's still available. Opened it up, looked at the screen, <laughs> closed it, packed it back up, and sent it back to Apple because he he had forgotten just how crude the non Retina displays are. I can't see what there is that is appealing about the MacBook Air other than the price. And I know that it's not like you and Walt are are you know limited to thousand dollars. I don't I don't see no, the appeal of it anymore. I see no appeal to the current MacBook Air uh, other than price. I, none, zero, zero. Like if you uh, really wanted to stockpile something, if the ports were what's important to you, why not get the the thirteen inch, the thirteen inch. Yeah, and that's I mean that's what I've said. I mean I, I totally agree. I'm not buying another Air, but um, I love this laptop. I just like have a special place in my heart for this laptop. Um, and that's like why like yesterday I said, like I came back to this laptop after two weeks and I was like, I could work with this. You know, I'm not like, yes, the screen is definitely this big jarring adjustment back to basically seeing pixels all the time. Um, but I just, I just love it. It just feels like home, you know? All right. I'm going to take maybe, a maybe a little bit more time with the MacBook pro and I could feel a little bit at home. I want to take a break, but when we come back, we should talk about the um, the keyboard. Yeah. Remind me. <laughs> I'll just be typing loudly here during your... Our first sponsor is... Uh, I love this company, and I love their product. It's Eero. E-E-R-O. Eero uh, makes uh, Wi-Fi routers, little, little hockey puck things. And they're brand new. Uh, and it's a totally different model. It is this is this is a totally different system. It's a distributed system. They really only make one one type of device. Typically, you, what you do though is you get a couple of them. You place them around your your house or your apartment, and they create a distributed system to fill your whole house with Wi-Fi. Having just one router somewhere, probably in your living room, uh, really doesn't work for multi-room homes. It's if you ever, if you've got any spots in your house, like a bedroom, two floors up, which is what I've got, that gets, yeah, like kind of like, yeah, I got Wi-Fi, but it's like nowhere near as good as it is downstairs. Uh, Eero solves that problem, and they do it painlessly, um, kind of right on time with rumors that Apple is getting out of the airport business, and they haven't updated their airport. Uh, routers in years anyway. I have a friend, this is anecdotal, obviously your mileage may vary, I can't guarantee it. I have a friend, good friend, technically uh, very, very adept, uh, who just replaced 
the airport routers in his house with an Eero system. And the first thing he noticed when he was doing testing was that his upstream bandwidth went from 8 to 24 megabits per second. And he was under the impression that 8 megabits per second was what he was capped at by Comcast. He had no idea that there was even more upstream bandwidth to have. It tripled by switching to Eero. Um, it could not be an easier, less technical product to set up. This isn't like getting like uh, enterprise stuff that you've got to configure in an enterprise. You have to sort of put on a network administrator hat to set up. No, you just get these little pucks. They're all the same. There's not like you have one that's the home one, and then you get these little satellite ones. You get like a three-pack. You can make any one the main one and put it in where you connect it to your cable modem. And then you just take the other two and put them around the house. Or, you you know, they're all the same. They're very, very nicely designed. They, quite frankly, look a lot like Apple products. They're just very, very elegant little pucks. Um, I, 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 bought, I bought the three set for my new apartment. No, sorry, I bought the two set for my new apartment. And I was going to say the same thing. It just feels like the whole experience feels even simpler than setting up the airport yep. and and it you just wonder like why is apple why i mean i that's a whole other we can turn this into an editorial we can roll this sponsor thing right into an editorial discussion we really could because i love we uh, eero is at like the top of our holiday gift guide list yes. like it sounds like such a weird thing but it's like you should get someone a router like yeah. it sounds like super bad and eero does not pay me anyone who's yeah. listening to this eero absolutely does not pay me I never reviewed the Eros. My my partner Jeff Fowler did it here, but I bought them and and I'm in love with it. Yep. Well, it's a great product. They recommend one for every thousand square feet. Their default pack is a three pack. That's what I have. Uh, I forget how many square feet my house is, but it's probably a little more than a thousand. But it's it's absolutely the three pack fills it up. Uh, if you're lucky enough. This is right out of their talking points. If you're lucky yeah, enough to live in a mansion, you can add additional Eros up to 10 in total. You configure the thing with a really nice iOS app. So it's right there on your iPhone. And it's not like you got to log into like a bizarre thing on a web browser that's running on port 80 on the Eero. It's just a nice little iPhone app. Uh, just hook them up, connect them. Once you've actually plugged them into power, you've done most of the work. It's really, it's it could not be. If you have an old... Wi-Fi setup in your house, you're going to get better performance out of an Eero. So, where do you do to find out more? Um, you go to the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> you go to the Wall our... Street Journal and read their review just to double check that I'm not full of it. Uh, no, just go the to the really e nice thing about the the Wi-Fi the app, by the way, is that you can like keep speed testing, and sometimes it like it does the speed tests for you. Have you know it? So I like am yeah. obsessed with checking what the speed tests are in my in my house. Like the la like the last speed test it did was. Yesterday, at and then 4 PM. It, it lets you know whether hey maybe we should uh, jiggle some of the settings mm -hmm. because it's you know you're getting worse performance than you were a month ago or something like that. Uh, it's just it it really is quite frankly an Apple like experience of yeah. you don't have to understand it to know how it works. Just follow these simple instructions instructions and it just works and it looks nice and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So anyway, what do you do to get more of them to get these things? Go to eero.com and at checkout select overnight shipping. And enter the code the talk show, and that shipping will be free. So as you're listening to this, depending on the time of day, you could have these Eros in your hands tomorrow with no charge for that overnight shipping with that code the talk show. My thanks to Eero 
really, I, I, I am getting paid to say this, but I really do mean that I've got them set up in the house, and it's, it's, a, it's a better Wi-Fi network. It really is. And I am not getting paid to say any of this. Uh, not, even, not even my impression of John Gruber do I get paid for. <laughs> you know what I thought? I thought when that story – all right, end of the sponsorship read. We're done. Thanks to Euro. I thought when that news came out, that uh, uh, German had the report that Apple is getting out of the uh, airport base station business. Whether or not I've heard uh, sort of conflicting things about that. The the you know more or less I the, the thing I've heard is what I often hear with German stories about Apple, which is not that he's wrong, not that anything he wrote was wrong, but that he only has part only, of the story. Only has part of the story. Which yeah, is, that's the nightmare for any journalist, right? And that when the other parts of the story come out, it might make what he wrote more sense. Yeah. Yeah. But also maybe, you know, not look good. Now, I don't know. This is just pure speculation, pure speculation. Um, This is not anything I've heard. But for example, one way that he could only have part of the story right would be if Apple comes out with one of these, um, you know, speakers, Alexa type, yeah, Yeah. speaker type systems like Siri in a box. Mm -hmm. And the Siri in a box also acts as a Wi Fi base station. Um, it does seem weird to me, and I know I said we'll get back to the MacBook keyboard, but it, it's no, I like irresistible. This. It really does seem weird to me because this 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 story about Apple getting out of the the router business, it does seem weird to me because the Apple idea is if you just stick with Apple stuff, you're probably going to pay more, mm-hmm. you know, for X. Like, and let's say X is a Wi-Fi base station, right? The Apple's base stations cost more than uh, just about any other, most other consumer base stations. But the, the the appeal of it is if you stick with the Apple stuff, it'll all just work and it'll be a lot less hassle to set up and a lot less hassle to keep it going. And that is, in my experience, largely true. And to that point, right? The home... If, if that is the next major one of the next major battlegrounds in tech, which it clearly seems to be with these talking speakers that are all about being home, and if you look at Google's strategy there as well, Wi-Fi and helping control that part of the equation seems pretty essential, especially when you talk about smart home stuff, right? Yeah. It's all on the same network. Yep. Um, you know, there's the there's the privacy of the, there's the security of the network, but there's also the management of the network, and that's one thing that people have seemed to always love about the airports. I actually have never had one, um, which is just how simple it is to manage. Mm-hmm. It is so, very. Yeah. I, I, what, that's the reason I've I've always had them, and I've no, I've always known that I'm not getting, or at least for a couple of years now, I've known that I'm not getting the absolute best performance. Um, and one reason I've justified that is I just know that the Comcast service we have at the house isn't that great anyway. Like, yeah. and we're thinking about moving and it's all just sort of been when we move this is in the back of my mind. I thought when we move, I'm going to deal with Comcast, bite the bullet and, yeah. and get the best Comcast service I possibly can. And then I'll figure out, you know, I'll get a Wi-Fi setup that takes advantage of it. Um, but it just seems weird for me to out for Apple to exit that because it doesn't, it, it just seems like they're, um, once they start making it easy to say, well, you know, I'm not going to buy an Apple blank, then you start mm-hmm. saying, I'm not going to buy an Apple blank for other things too. Right. That being able to have like, hey, all of my stuff is Apple stuff makes it easy to just say, well, I'm just going to buy another Apple thing because I know it's just going to work. Right. Like well, it, it definitely, to- I like your theory about 
whatever the, you know, if they get into this talking speaker race, which seems like they've got to, right? Um, that 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 device is so core to the home. It it I I, I think this theory of it maybe possibly doing something with the with a network could could make sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean the. And and that's that's the other top thing that we have on our holiday thing, which is the which is the um, the Echo and uh, you know Amazon. Now they're when another one of Gurman's reports is that they'll have some sort of tablet version of the of the Echo in the next couple of whatever next couple of months or early in the next year. Um, and that makes you wonder, you know, okay, is that because people are then jumping on their phones or their tablets to you know finish up a task or whatever it is? And in, in many cases, that's probably an iPhone or that's probably an iPad. Um, and Apple already controls that other part of the experience in the home. I so that's the, the if I'm remembering it correctly, German's report. It this just came out the other day. And it was interesting to me at a meta level because I like I like Mark a lot, and now that he's at Bloomberg, um, and he's you know he's so young he's just getting started. I thought when he when he took that job at Bloomberg, my guess was he's going to expand beyond Apple because he, it just seemed inevitable. It doesn't seem justified to have just an Apple an Apple rumors guy at a at a publication as wide wide that covers as wide. A, you know, the entire industry like Bloomberg and here you go. He's got a scoop, uh, you know, just like the scoops he typically gets on Apple upcoming stuff. He's got one on an Amazon product. Um, the gist of it though, is that it, he, he, like a seven inch display built into a speaker. I don't know. And, and I do think it's in some ways it is obviously competitive with tablets where you could just, why not just, you know, put say an iPad pro in your kitchen and right. prop it up. And the iPad Pro has, you know, beefed up its speakers significantly compared to the pre-pro iPads. I mean, it's probably not as good as a standalone speaker system. Um, but one of the other things that German had in his report is that this new Echo is going to have better speakers anyway, because that's sort of the complaint people have about the right. current Echo is that the speakers aren't that great. They're they're good for like a novelty device. If you think like, oh my God, I'm, t- I'm talking to a black cylinder. This is amazing. The speakers are great, but then if you start listening to like music coming out of it, and you really just judge it as like speakers for pl- playing music, it's like, eh, it's kind of right. You know, it's yeah, like you could get a better probably right. speaker in that price range, or well, they've dropped the prices significantly. Right. I mean, I, so yeah, I I love the Echo. Um, you know, I, I did the review of the Echo in the home a couple of weeks ago, and you know, even preferred it to to Google's product. And speaking of, Google's also doing an Eero competitor, right? They've got this new Google Wi-Fi, which I don't think has actually come out yet. I don't think has, so either. And they haven't, I think it was supposed to, but I don't think it has. Yeah, they haven't sent review units, and they were going to. Um, you know, so it's all this fight of these ecosystems or these companies trying to control the ecosystems we live in, especially in our homes now. So, the, yeah, the Wi-Fi thing is interesting. Uh, but it makes me wonder, you know, and, you know, and again, German's report wasn't that specific, but what would be the advantage of a, a echo, which with like a physical thing that has to be plugged in and is not itself a tablet, you know, it's more of uh, whether it's still a cylinder or whether it's a rectangle now because it has a display, but having a built-in display, what would be the advantage of that versus a, um, a device 
let's just say, I mean, if Apple made one, but that also could serve as an iPad dock and then just use the iPad as the display? Yeah, I mean, I I would assume that Amazon's thinking is that people start something on the Echo, right? Yeah. And like, I just talked to my experience, I'll start something on the Echo and then realize, okay, I actually need more information, right? Yeah. Um, and so that I always have my phone, I usually have my iPhone in the kitchen. And so I end up just sort of pulling that out and going and doing whatever. I'm not doing that in the Alexa app. I'm I'm usually not even doing that at all with Amazon's assistants, whether it's, you know, searching for something or, uh, you know, now the new recipe functions, things like that. I would assume this is more of a ploy to keep people in, you know, an Amazon world, but yeah. also, you know, try and move them away from using their their phones? I don't know. Well, the other thing that occurs to me is, and I forget if the word kitchen appeared in Gurman's report or not. Did it? Or are people just speculating that this is more of a kitchen-optimized device? So I know I've seen people saying that like the Echo is meant to go anywhere, and some people have them in their bedroom, and some people have them in their living room, and lots of people, including me, have one in the kitchen. But this this new device with the display is sort of specifically meant for the kitchen. And I can think of a couple of reasons why you definitely want a display. One of them would be recipes, right? right. If you're doing something, you know, if you're cooking in the kitchen uh, – not having a display is almost worthless, right? It's like who, you know, it, it, nobody's going to do a recipe by audio, right? Because you'd you'd have to keep repeating. All right, how much of this? How much of yeah, that? Yeah, but the, the new there's a new All Recipes app for the Echo, and it does read out some of the the instructions. Right. Well, I just think though that no, no, but as a thing to depend yeah. on, I totally agree. Like, and that that's usually what I end up, you know, pulling up my phone for, yeah. which is you know some recipe or something like that. Well, and the other thing that's very obvious, and a lot of people for a long time have had TVs in their kitchen. You know, like mini TVs. Like when when I was a kid, yeah. they invented little like eight inch TVs that some people put in their TVs, and I thought that was amazing. And I wanted my parents to get one, and they were like, "No." <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's obvious, you know. And for as much as there's tons of audio stuff that you can listen to, at, you know, like podcasts. <laughs> there's also a lot of people like video, and a lot of people like to watch video. And guess what? Amazon has a giant video service. Yep. <laughs> that yeah, would right. be, you know, it, it, to me, it's very obvious why they might want to have a display on the thing in the kitchen because it'd be like you just tell tell it, you know, to play something from Amazon Prime Video and there you are watching it. Yeah. And I mean, like part of what Amazon also wants you to do is buy more things on Amazon and it's very simple now, but there are a lot of times where I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, uh, I'll say, Alexa, add a uh, paper towels to my cart or whatever. And it usually tries to remember or, you know, we'll pick what I've ordered before, but like having a visual indication of what that is or what I've just ordered uh, or added is, is helpful. Like I never really complete the order on the echo. I always end up going to my, you know, my cart on my laptop or on my, um, on my phone. Because you feel more confident if you see it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's the one, you know? Um, Yeah. I mean, so I, it just it, it, you have to wonder what would have happened if Amazon had actually had a successful phone years back. If if they really, I mean, I I think honestly, I, it's hard to see that the Echo would have come through in the way it has if they had had a successful phone. Hmm. It almost feels like the, them not having control of a phone and not having a strong presence in people's mobile lives allowed them to create something that was outside of the phone. 
right? Yeah, I think so. I definitely think it it helped them because it's it was sort of. I think the failure of the Fire Phone was sort of freeing for them, mm-hmm. and I think the timing of the stuff that they've done since is sort of you know it, it's it sort of adds up that from the point where they gave up on the Fire, they've yep. or Fire Phone at least they have you know. You know, it's it, to some measure or not. I mean, with as with all Amazon products, who the hell knows how many they've actually sold because they won't they won't tell you. But it certainly seems with the Echo that they have some measure of a hit on their hands. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think this holiday, like I, even though the Echo is now two almost two years old, it'll be two years old in January, which is why I think this new rumor makes a lot of sense. I think you know it's probably primed for early next year. I think this is the first time that I confidently I, I'm yeah it really is the first time I've confidently recommended it to most people you know I'm, I'm buying one for my parents they just made it they just built a new house and I just think it's perfect for the kitchen that they they made um you know people for for holiday I've just said you know, this is now like now is the time to get one of these it, there's there's a it's just the the response time is better the her answers Alexa's answers are are mostly on on point uh, and you know, compared to especially compared to people's experiences with Siri you know you really do get this feeling like people are, are sort of like they gave Siri a chance and then they they stopped giving Siri a chance I think that and I've said for for a number of months and almost years now that's Apple's biggest hurdle with Siri is getting the people even even as Siri improves, it's hard to get people to go back and try and use Siri for things. Yep. But with Alexa right out of the box, you're you have this really strong experience. You know, the response times, the answers are right. There's not a lot of, I'm sorry, I have to search the web for that. Um so I think it's it's gonna get more and more people comfortable with talking to to gadgets. Yeah. Um yeah, I totally agree, and I've said that too. That the single biggest problem Apple has with Siri is getting people who felt burned by it to try it again. That the yeah. first impressions mean so much, and the first impression that people have with um, uh, Siri it was so bad for so many people that, and and was for a while that they don't they've just given up on it. I think the same thing was true going back, you know, a very long time. Um, and it doesn't matter because it was such a niche product, but the Newton handwriting was the same way at the end of the Newton's lifespan. The handwriting recognition was excellent. It really was. And nobody, almost nobody remembers it. Everybody remembers that part of the reason why the Newton failed was that the handwriting recognition was so bad because it was bad when they first shipped it. And everybody was like, this is amazing. A little thing, a little computer I can, you know, almost put in my pocket and I can write on it. And (laughs) You know, it got everything wrong. At the end of the lifespan, it was amazing, but it was too late. Everybody had filed Newton handwriting recognition under terrible. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting. It's something I've been thinking about lately, which is that you know, we're we're early adopters, right? And many of your listeners are early adopters, and so everyone tries all this stuff that's brand new. And in the case of what's been going on with with technology over the last couple of years, it's like people, companies and and Apple more so than ever I think before releases something that might not quite be done and um, gets better over time, right? Especially now in terms of software because software is so much of the experience. Like the Apple Watch is the best example, I think. Um, Certainly, the new version is faster because there's a better processor and it's waterproof and there's all these fancy things, but. You know, there's really an argument to be made. It was better if you waited a year, right? It was really better if you waited, um, or even if you waited and bought the old one for for cheaper price because the software got so much better. Um, it's the same thing with the Echo, um, and it's really the same thing with Siri and a number of these things. But it 
there's this fear, it, there's this problem if people are early adopters and get a bad get that really bad taste in their mouth and then they just say this thing sucks and then they put it away and they don't yeah. sort of keep at it. Yeah. Right? So it's like almost it's like it's a good time to be an early adopter but it's also a really terrible time to be an early adopter. Yeah. Um let's That's a about, lot of thoughts. Let's talk about the new MacBook Pro keyboard. <laughs> The poor new MacBook Pro keyboard. <laughs> oh, but first, it's a good time to take a break. I'll take a break and and do our next uh, uh, talk about our next sponsor, and then we will talk about the the keyboard. Um, I will try not to interrupt you. That's all right. That was the best interruption ever. Um, this episode is also sponsored by Audible dot com, who has an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more, and you can get a thirty day free trial at audible.com slash talk show. No, the just slash talk show. If you want to listen to it, audible has it. They have audiobooks from every genre you can imagine anytime, anywhere, and you can play them on just about any device you can imagine. If your device has like a Wi-Fi connection, you can almost certainly use audible on it. Um, everybody knows they have audio, auto audio books. That's sort of like what audible was known for. Um, and they have just about every audiobook you could possibly imagine. And if you're listening to a podcast, you are obviously, this is like the greatest sponsor to medium match ever. If you're listening to me tell you this, you obviously like listening to long form audio content. Audiobooks are a terrific way to fill your time if you've got like a long commute and every day and you run out of podcasts to listen to and stuff like that. Audiobooks can fill that up. It is such a great thing. But Audible has expanded beyond that, and they have their own shows. They, Like I said, they have news. They have comedy things. They have so much more. It's almost like they are Netflix for audio. Maybe not even almost. Maybe that's just a perfect analogy. Um, really, really great. So go there. Get a 30-day free trial at audible.com slash talk show. Uh, they always say optional. You can recommend a book. I will just say the book that I have read over the uh, Thanksgiving break. I reread reread last year's um, uh, Becoming Steve Jobs, The Evolution of a Reckless Upstart into a Visionary Leader by Brent Schlender and Rick Tetzeli. This is sort of the unauthorized biography of Steve Jobs that came out last year that I found way more satisfying and way more interesting and way more insightful than his official biography by uh, Walter, whatever his name was. Um, because it focuses on uh, his work. And I know that this book sort of, there is a, sort of a skepticism when it came out and people I rolled because it, it, this book had the participation of people like Tim Cook and a few others at Apple um, and it, people wanted to present it as, well, this is a whitewashing of, of Steve Jobs's life or something like that. And if you read, I don't think anybody who actually reads this book would actually say that the book, it just happens not to, it happens to be a lot less about his personal life and a lot more about his professional life, uh, early years at Apple, his, uh, years out in the wilderness when he was at next, and when he founded Pixar, and then how Pixar became a great success, and how Apple became, you know, at least to some degree, uh, you know, I think Apple did a little bit better after <laughs> Steve Jobs came back in '97. Uh, it's a great, great book. I've read it. This is the second time I read it, and uh, I couldn't recommend it more. They have it. They have the unabridged version right there on Audible.com, so you can use it to listen to. Sixteen hours, twenty-one minutes. 
pretty much like a long episode of, of the talk show. So there you go. Audible.com slash talk show. And if you want my recommendation, give uh, Becoming Steve Jobs a listen. All right. MacBook Pro keyboard, the new keyboard. You hear that? <laughs> I, uh, uh, I've, I've mentioned this. So I, while I was doing my review, I at one point thought, you know what? This keyboard is different than what I expected. It doesn't feel like the 12-inch MacBook keyboard, even though it looks the same and it seems to have the same key travel. It didn't feel the same to me at all. And then, you know, Apple said on stage that they did something different with these quote-unquote butterfly switches underneath the keys. Uh, and I believe it. it absolutely, it, it, it's less squishy and more clicky. I would I agree. And, and there's like more of a bounce, right? Yeah. It's, it just feels better. It definitely feels better to me. Okay. Um, but at one point during the review, I thought, boy, I'd like the way this feels better than I feared. But is this loud? This seems loud. <laughs> and yeah. I called it, my wife and son in at one point, and I said, listen to this. Do you think this is too loud? Is this louder than, than the old ones? And they, were, they both convinced me that I was kind of crazy. They were like, it definitely sounds different, but it's not loud. And I was like, all right, well, I'll just forget it. And I didn't write about it. But then when the reviews all hit, a couple of people mentioned, including you, that the yeah. the keyboard is louder. And I thought, damn, I should have written about that because I think I, I, I was onto yeah. something. So I have a theory that, but it's, it's hard because I haven't gone back to the MacBook, but I think you're right. I think they fixed a lot with the keyboard. I still, I don't love it. I didn't really like it really, to be honest, but um, that I, I think I need to move out. I need to move into the future and, and accept that this keyboard is changing. But I think because there's this, because the keys are flat and when you're moving from a, a, you know, a keyboard that had these more raised keys with, that had more travel, you might be hitting the keys harder. And I know I think I hit the keys harder, especially when I'm like in it and I'm really writing and I'm like, this is it. You know, I've got a great thought and this, you know, I figured out how to do this. And I feel like I'm sort of slamming on the keys a little bit more. Um, and so that might be why it's louder. Hmm. That it's 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 part of my theory. I mean, I definitely think they. It certainly is a different sound than the the regular MacBook. And if you actually, the funny thing is, in in my video review, I did a first person video uh, as I do sometimes with the helmet camera. And one of the the whole the video kind of shtick was that I you know I was typing on my laptop as sort of like a you know a diary as I was going through my review process and so we recorded the two different sounds the beginning opens when I'm I'm typing on my MacBook and you hear the sounds of the MacBook Air sorry it was I'm typing on my MacBook Air and you hear the keyboard sounds of the MacBook Air and then we recorded the sounds of the MacBook Pro because then I switched to typing on the MacBook Pro for the rest of the of the piece so and you hear, you hear, like we, I recorded it in uh, our booth here, and you, you definitely hear the different sounds. The question I have is, is it louder because I'm hitting the keys with more force, or is it just genuinely louder? And I can't really think of a scientific test to figure out. Well, I can think of a scientific test, but I, I haven't done it. <laughs> I, th I think it is louder, and I think, but I think, I think it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. I think it is louder. I do think though that I, I think I just tend to have a very uh, hard typing style. Uh, so it's, right. you know, and I think with other people, you know, have very different, you know, maybe have a gentler typing style. And I think if you were in like a library and you were self-conscious about the noise of your typing, if you were thinking about typing softly, I don't think that the MacBook is going to be a problem. I think though that if you 
you know, have headphones on <laughs> and weren't really paying attention to your typing, it could be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I feel like I just am typing a lot harder on this computer, but maybe I've always typed really hard. Yeah. What's your opinion of the keyboard overall, noise aside? Like, you get used to it, right? Like right. I said in this piece, and I know a lot of people thought it was a super harsh line. I was like, you get used to it. Uh, you also get used to sleeping on a rock when you're camping, <laughs> right? Like, I, you know, I didn't mean that to be super snarky. I guess it, it came out that way. But, like, you get used to it, you know? It's like anything that might not be comfortable at first, then you just sort of get used to it. Um and then you kind of learn to like it. I like I. That's the other thing. I went back to my MacBook Air this week, and I'm just like, I I missed you. You know, I I, I really missed you. Um, but I've but I've written some like I have this also like superstition sometimes where I like work on a laptop and I like if I've done some of my best work on that laptop I'll be like this is a great laptop. You know, I, it, the laptop made the work great, and I, I think I've done some really good work on this MacBook Pro. So really can't say that uh that I don't like you know, using it. Yeah. I, I, I would, I, I don't have a, I, I don't say that. I think it's fine. And I, I really, and I say that meaning that I think all laptop keyboards are a compromise, you know, that none of them, I've never had a MacBook or a power book or any Apple laptop ever that has had a keyboard that I find as nice as a desktop keyboard. And on the desktop, I'm the, I'm yeah. the guy who famously still uses a, 20 some year old apple extended keyboard too that's super clicky and loud right um although not as loud as a lot of these mechanical keyboards by mechanical keyboard standard it's kind of quiet but it is very quicky clicky and loud compared to modern lower travel keyboards um and i will also add some some wiseacre on on twitter after i made fun of you and walt for stockpiling act uh, Air, MacBook Airs said this from the guy who has a closet full of old Apple extended keyboards, which is true. I've I've got at least like four of them in my closet. Um, but my defense on that is that this keyboard they don't make keyboards like this anymore. As a keyboard, it's if you do prefer it, there it's you know there is a reason to stockpile them. Right, right. I, I, that's the thing. I I really do prefer the MacBook Air or, Mac, or the old MacBook Air MacBook Pro keyboard. Yeah, I think um, I prefer it though only because I'm used to it. I think if I spend enough time on the new one, I would go back to the, I'd go back to this one and I'd be on just I'd be too unfamiliar with it. Right, right. Yeah, it's like anything you get used to it, you know. Um, I think yeah. there's another thing about the new keyboard that I think, and again, I think I would completely get used to it, but I I haven't yet, which is that the actual keys are bigger the keyboard yeah. isn't bigger but they've reduced the space between the keys and made the keys bigger and for some reason it makes me feel like my fingers are spread out more even though it makes no sense because the center of each key is exactly the same distance from each other as on the old keyboard but for some reason that that subtle difference makes me feel like i have to spread my fingers out more and it's not true but it somehow makes it feel that way. Yeah, I really think I'm just typing on it right now. I really think I'm hitting the keys harder because, and maybe over time I wouldn't hit the keys as hard if I hadn't. If I'm, you know, if I hadn't, if I don't keep going back to the old keyboard, I might get more used to just the regular feel of this, and I won't strike the keys as hard. Um, but I, I think it has something to do with the fact that I keep switching between them. All right. The other thing that bothers me, lastly, on the keyboard, is the new arrow key arrangement. And 
I, I I don't know why, but it's like the, instead of being a T shape, now they've made yeah. the the left and right ones full height. And I for some reason in the two or three weeks that I was using the new MacBook Pro, I c- could never get used to that. It just took the entire two three week period. Never got used to it. Isn't that the same on the MacBook too? Yeah, it is. It, it started. Yeah. that debuted with the new MacBook, but I never used the new MacBook, so it's you know. I mean, I, other than like just kicking the tires in the store in the hands on area, I never like reviewed one. Yeah. Oh, really? No. Yeah, I think I kind of got used to it. I used a MacBook for like four four months about. I used it most of the summer, um, switching back to my Air for sort of heavier work and stuff like that. Um, what about the trackpad? You, do you care that it's ginormous? I love it. And I don't yeah. have any palm. I didn't have any palm rejection problems whatsoever. I saw a couple of people on Twitter when they first started getting their their 15 inch mm-hmm. MacBook Pros saying, I, I, you know, this is unusable for me. My, my palms keep getting registered as, um, you know, I wonder if they were using touches. it at a desk. I don't know if they got lap. bad hardware. I don't know if their, their skin <laughs> registers differently. Capacity. They have weird skin or if they, you know, they got a bum device. I don't know, but it didn't, I, I, I kept my eye on it and it didn't seem, it doesn't seem to be like a rampant problem. It was like a couple of people the first few days, but I, I retested the 15 inch, you know, and was really thought about it. And, and, you know, my palms absolutely rest on the trackpad while I'm typing and it was never a problem. I, yeah. I, I think, I think it's a big thing about what the angle, what angle you're using the laptop at. So I don't have really any problem when I'm using it at my desk, but there have been some times where I have it on my lap and I do have the problem or the, or the keys or, or the, the laptops raised up a little bit more. So my, the, the bottom of my palm will strike the, the, the trackpad as I'm trying to type like something lower on the keyboard. I, I don't know. I find it to be delightful and it's, you know, my personal, the, the MacBook that I own is a, 13-inch MacBook Pro that I guess is exactly two years old. And I think it was the last MacBook Pro that didn't have the magic trackpad. It, mm-hmm. You know, it still it physically clicks. Um, and I much prefer the new trackpad to Me the too. one to the one that physically clicks. And especially because it it doesn't work as a lever. So when you mm-hmm. click at the top, it clicks just as nicely as it does when you click at the bottom. Yeah. I totally agree, and that's one thing I hate about going back to the MacBook Air is that it doesn't yeah. have the Force Touch or whatever it's called. Yeah, whatever they call it. It's my yeah. favorite. It's it's it seems silly, but at this point, like I'm not really performance constrained. Nothing I really do on, especially on a MacBook, really strains the CPU that much. And and one of the little things I thought about was what I've always done when I buy a MacBook. And I don't buy them that often. You know, I try to just get it, set it up exactly as I want it and then use it until I can't stand it anymore and then get a new one. And when I buy a new one, I've always just maxed it out. Just yeah. go into the thing and upgrade from, you know, the core I five to the core I seven, you know, the top of the line, whatever, get the most Ram, get the biggest SSD, etc. I realized, I think that if I were buying a new Mac or, or when, when next I do buy a new MacBook pro, I'm not going to upgrade the CPU. I'm going to probably stick with the default because the CPU isn't constraining me at all. And I'd rather have the longer battery life of the lower powered CPU that I've yeah, probably, no. I think I made a mistake two years ago when I bought the highest speed CPU because I don't, I, I'm not, I don't need it. I never pegged this, almost never no. pegged the CPUs. And, but I'm get, I know I'm getting worse battery life because I made that decision. And, and, you know, what I, what was, I spent 
hours benchmarking the old Pro, the old 13-inch Pro, and the new 13-inch Pro. And performance-wise, even though there's a leap in a generation, yeah, there's one generation Intel that it leap that happens. Um, you really cannot tell the difference in the performance. The, yeah. the Intel performance has basically slowed to a point where you're not going to notice much unless uh, you're really not going to notice much mm-hmm. unless I mean y- unless you're doing things that are more reliant on storage and the SSD and the SSD speed was faster but not much faster for everyday type things. Yeah. Um, so you know, like uh, you know, I've and I've you know people have said, oh well, shouldn't I get the new one because it's faster? I don't. I don't think the reason to get the new one is because of perf- well, it's not because of perf- uh, processor performance right. is faster. It's graphics performance or SSD performance, yeah. and for the everyday person, that's not a ton that they're going to see. Yeah, I, I, I was surprised, and uh, and I don't know how much of this is just the the constraints that Apple was under because obviously the Touch Bar ones weren't ready on day one because nobody got a Touch Bar review unit until like a week or so after the event, like leaving the event, everybody who got a review unit got the MacBook escape. And I, you know, I think that they were, you know, I think it was simply because they didn't have them to give out. Yeah, Um, totally. And when I did get the 13 inch, the one that I got, and I'm guessing they probably gave everybody the same one was the core I five model, not the core I seven. I don't know this for sure, but in my memory, every other time I've ever gotten review units from Apple, they just give you the top of the line model. Yeah, uh, I was happy they didn't actually. Yeah, me too because it's a typical more typical configuration. But I honestly wonder in that in this case whether it wasn't just cons- constraints but maybe like that they really think that this is the better model because the battery life is so much better. That's one of the That's things true. one of the things that I found that is so much better I'm not going to buy one right now. Like my 2-year-old MacBook Pro is still it's it's too good and it's there's too many reasons I think to wait another year. Um, on you know, on upgrading. So I'm personally not upgrading to one of these models. It's just not. Maybe I should just buy your old one. <laughs> Maybe it's got your <laughs> keyboard. Um, uh, but if Maybe, there, yeah, you helped me figure it out. I think I finally figured it out. If there just was buy old if, old MacBooks. If there was a reason to get it, it would be the battery life. It just so happens that when I'm using my MacBook Pro, I very seldom am untethered for that long but if i were that would be the number one reason to upgrade because the battery life on the new macbook pro is unlike any other macbook pro i have ever used it's just unbelievable i mean i I, in my review i mentioned keeping it open on my lap during game seven of the world series which was i don't know it was like four and a half hours incredibly long baseball game it even had like a rain delay and when i got i was done i still had 70 percent battery life left it was i've never seen anything like that and this was the one with the touch bar? Yeah. 13 inch with the touch bar, but the Core i5, not the Core i7. And, you know, I was on Twitter and Safari, you know, the whole game. Um, See, so I've had varying results. Um, and I think it could be some of the apps, and Apple said yeah. that, you know, some of the apps that I I use are obviously more processor intensive. Um, I'm talking about like TweetDeck, really. Right. Like TweetDeck, or I'll use, um, I mean, obviously Chrome is a, is a really huge battery sucker but yep. like you know i've just noticed whether it's tweet tech or, or spotify both of those can have some various varying results but yeah pretty much you know in line with with what they've said was with was my results but um i've gotten you get longer battery life with the not that we're going to go back and start talking about that 13 inch 
without touch bar, but right. you get longer battery life with that one. Yeah. Like, but not not much, you know, a couple, uh, 20 minutes. But if it's like your defining characteristic of what you need from a MacBook, it's that's the one to get. Right. Uh, yeah. You want to talk about dongles? <laughs> love, love talking about dongles, you know? <laughs> I, I think the dongle thing is so overblown. I, it is obviously a problem if you get it now. I mean, I would need a bunch. There's no doubt about it. If my main computer was a brand new MacBook Pro with the touch bar, I would be using a couple of dongles right now. I would, you know, if, the, if it were my main computer, I would, I would, I'm at my desk. So I would be like you. I'd need one to hook up a display and I, I would need a dongle to do it unless I've already bought that, that LG 5K display, which I right. probably would do if it was my only computer, depending on when last but I bought a, a display. Though. Um, and I would need one to hook up this microphone because this microphone is it connects to the, my computer by USB A, so I would need some kind of dongle to connect that to the USB C port. Um, and I would also need one to connect my external hard drives because none of my external hard drives are USB C. They're all, uh, I think, Thunderbolt. And I, what else do I have? I forget. I think I might even have one here that's an old FireWire one that I have a FireWire to Thunderbolt. So I'd, I'd have to go. No, I wouldn't have to. I would. I might have to because I don't think there's a FireWire to, to USB-C. Get... I'd have to go FireWire to Thunderbolt and Thunderbolt to USB-C. Yeah. I have to. Uh, right. I, well, that's not what I'm doing with this one. I've got the display port to Thunderbolt for my Thunderbolt monitor. Did you see there was a story somebody had, I think I linked to it on Daring Fireball, but somebody on Medium had a post where they called the new MacBook Pro a surprisingly great machine for hackers and that it's yeah. arguably the most open computer Apple's ever made. And, you know, just as a, you know, to synopsize that argument, the new MacBook Pros don't have a single proprietary port on them, right? They've got four open standard USB-C slash Thunderbolt 3 ports and one standard headphone jack. And that's it. That's the, I, has there ever been an Apple computer, an, a Macintosh without a single proprietary port? I don't think so. And I've said this many times. USB-C is the greatest port. It's a great port. I think the, I think the, the, the backlash has been, I think it's been to some of the, obviously them cutting out the other ports. But I also think that there's this major backlash to Apple not having this sort of unified port structure. And I mean, why not put USB-C on the iPhone, right? That was like one of the biggest complaints when when they announced the MacBook was like, okay, so now I can't plug my iPhone into um, into the... Uh, in, you can't plug your iPhone into your MacBook, right? You need right. a different adapter. But you also can't plug your iPhone into the same adapter that goes into the wall because that's USB-C. Right. And that's... So, I have to find that article, but it's... Uh, it, it, but part of his argument is as you know, sort of a nerdy I think he's like a user, developer. Right? Yeah, and he's a, he's got like a, a Nexus six P as his phone right. because he uses a Nexus. He just needs to take one chart. He just takes his MacBook Pro charger with him, and then he can plug his he can plug his phone into it as well, which is you know convenient. Right, but that and that's a great argument for why isn't Apple using USB C on iPhones, even for the connector that goes into the wall. Now, of course, they hadn't had the new MacBook Pros right. out yet. And of course, there's a far bigger market for people who are buying iPhones, and it's probably going to piss off. We're going to hear all the complaints when they do switch to USB-C there. Oh, now I can't use my old cord to plug into my, you know, the new little wall adapter that comes in the box with the iPhone. We're going to hear all of that all over again. But 
you know, it's a tough time. This goes back to my thing. It's a tough time to be an early adopter. There's a lot of transition that's going on. I don't think they're ever going to switch to USB-C on the iPhone or iPad. I don't. I don't think they're going to switch from USB-C on the input, right. on the female input on the iPhone or on the iPad because they love lightning and now they've made a big to-do about lightning as an audio interface. But I do think they will switch to USB-C on the adapter that goes into the wall. Yeah. I, yeah, that's what I think they'll do. I think, and I again, in my review, I called them out as a nickel and dime move. I, I think what they should have done is done exactly what uh, Google did with the Pixel phone, uh, yeah. is right. ship both cables in, in the box. When you buy the new Pixel, you get a USB-C mm-hmm. to USB-C cable. That's right. And you get a USB-A to USB-C cable. That's right. Or... Just put, I mean, are we talking about which box? Should they put that in them? They should put the... I think they should put them in the iPhone. I think, and and if they, you know, I don't think it would have kill, killed them to maybe put that cable in the, the $2,000 MacBook Pro box right. either. But I think what, it really should have come with yeah. the iPhone 7. I think the iPhone 7 should, should have shipped with both cables. And the, I've adamantly said that they should have included the USB-C to USB-A adapter. That's $19, but now $9, the same price as the adapter that you get in from the lightning cable to the headphone jack in yes. the iPhone box. Include that in the MacBook Pro box. Yes. And then everyone will be pretty much okay. Yeah. I, it's a nickel and dime move. I really think they should have included one of those in the box. And I know that, they, you know, and I've made this argument before that shipping the dongles with the device is sort of on Apple-like. But you know what? They did it with the headphone jack right. with the iPhone 7. And ultimately, I think that was the right thing to do. I really do. It built it, up a lot of goodwill. You yeah, know, people, they, they people done thought, it. okay, it's here. I got this here. I have this article. It will be in the show notes. It's Adam Geitge. The new MacBook Pro is kind of great for hackers. Yeah. So I will include that in, yeah, the, I saw in that. the show notes. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I and I actually ended up writing this dongle piece before the MacBook Pros came out because I just felt I had this inkling that this was going to be a, a, a big deal uh, even before they announced them. And, I, you know, people were already at, talking about all the dongle situation around the iPhone. Um, so I did this piece about this is the year of the dongle and, you know, actually, you know, these new ports are great. So let's not complain about the ports, but we can complain about the dongles, that kind of stuff. And, you know, I recommended a couple of good options. There are some really good options. You know, there, there, it's, a, it's a booming dongle market out there. It's a, it's a great time to be in the dongle business. The problem is, frankly, on us that you, ref, you forget them at places and they are annoying, right? Yeah. They just, like, are annoying. Well, or even if you, for, even if you don't forget them or lose them, it's did you take the right bag, right? Or, right. you know, did you, you know, where do you keep them so that they're always there, you know? And you buy two sets, so you have one at your office and one at home. Right. Um, you know, and yeah, you, I mean, and Apple makes money off of these. There's no doubt Apple makes money off of these. I think that's secondary to in all of their thinking, but it's you know, it's certainly the fact that they could cut the prices as much as they did is true, right? But I mean, by the way, in that article that I wrote, I it it you're better off buying Apple dongles, right? Because USB C. Um, has had some issues with the open development of these of these of you know it depends on which ones you're buying but of of some of the adapters where some have fried ports yeah. and um you know Amazon has a number of them listed there even though App- Amazon says they will only carry USB-IF certified USB-C dongles and, and adapters there are many that get through um so you're 
you really are best buying something that either Apple sells in their stores or that Apple makes themselves. I, I've, it, this is an interesting tangent. I, I'm not afraid to go down it, but I, I it, it's come up recently where Amazon has been found to be selling fraudulent stuff. You know, like Apple had a thing where they, they, you know, found that there was a whole bunch of, you know, supposedly first party Apple chargers being sold on Amazon or third party ones and that they're completely inferior and, you know, da- downright dangerous in some cases in terms of just how shoddily made they are. Um, I don't trust Amazon for stuff like that anymore. I really don't. Yeah. I mean, like, it was funny when I was doing the reporting for the story. You know, the, only, I, the, I, only, the only cables I would buy from Amazon, honestly, are the Amazon Basics. Brand, Amazon branded ones because you know that those aren't fake and That's I've had a really... pretty good experience with them. So when I was doing this dongle reporting because I am a dongle journalist at this point, um, I so so I spoke to the USBIF, which is the the governing body that controls the standards around USB uh, USB C and and USB in general. And so they, you know, ran me through how something gets certified, right? And that they have to meet their specs and blah, 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 blah. And they said, okay, Amazon says that they will only carry things that have met, that have been, um, sorry, there's not certified because some things haven't been certified, but meet the requirements of the USBIF. So the companies don't have to have a USBIF approval, which costs some money. They just have to have said we meet these we meet these it's basically just you know they they just give their word on it to be honest and so <laughs> when i i started doing some research and i was like i i found one product on amazon I, it looked very sort of it looked shady frankly and so i emailed amazon pr and they said yeah we don't we they say that this meets the usbif certification but more than that we don't really know Right. So you're in this place where you're like, okay, Amazon says, yes, we do this. And they have it listed on their site. In this dongle article, I link to their policy. Um, But there's really no assurance that they really do meet that. And so, you know, my advice, and and the one I do recommend here, I spoke to the company, they said, yes, we do have meet the stats, we do meet the certification or the requirements. I went to the USBIF. They also said this one is listed. Um, but yeah, there's it's more than meets the eye, you know. These dongles are not just it's just cheap pieces of plastic, you know. Yeah. There's more to it. Do you ever buy stuff from Monoprice? No. I love this company and I've never had a bad bad uh product from them. Uh, not is a this single... a segue into an ad? No, it is not. Honestly, <laughs> it is an honest just endorsement. And I but the truth is I was looking uh, you, I mean you're like that was a compliment. You are huh. such such a great segueer for the ads for your for your sponsors that sometimes you don't really right. know. So I was like, is this a not a sponsor? Know? I would love to have them as a sponsor, but um, Monoprice is a great company. They their their shtick is that the you know that their cables and dongles and and et cetera are very low price. Um but they're also really well made and they make them themselves. As far as I know, all they sell are their own products. So you go to monoprice.com and search for various cables and they even have like, it, it, it's a little, it can be a little bit confusing where like sometimes um, they have like three different tiers and I don't know what the names are, but there's like oh, yeah, look at this. good, better and best of the cabling. And there's like the one that's the cheapest. And then they have ones like, uh, like I've bought a bunch of little, li- real little, like uh six inch, tiny six inch lightning cables because there's certain situations where that's 
you don't want a big long cable. Like when I plug a like a Mophie battery pack into mm-hmm. my phone, I don't want I don't want a three foot cable. Right. I just want a tiny little cable. And they have so this company makes them. They make them, and they're super low-priced, and they have a great reputation for quality. But right now, in my opinion, they don't have a lot of the USB-C Thunderbolt stuff because I think they're not ready yet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I feel like by this time next year— oh, yeah. So these, and they're all MFI certified. Yeah. And by next, by this time next year, I think Monoprice is the place you—maybe even six months from now, Monoprice will be the place to go to get all your you know, USB-C stuff that you don't want to pay $39 or $29 right. from Apple for. But you can't do it yet because I think it's still so new. But they have ones like the, the high-end one has like uh, – this is like a just a, lightning, a USB-A to lightning adapter. And it has like a nice braided like yeah. a canvas cable. And it yep. even has uh, – this is the thing I really love about it. It has a little green light on the lightning end. Oh. So it's sort of like the old – Yes. It's like MagSafe. Yeah, it's like MagSafe. Which is another thing that I really miss on the new. Uh, yeah, I mentioned that in my review. I was. I, it is maddening not to have the little light. Uh, you know what? And for me, and you know, uh, uh, again, we're I'm looking, buying these right now. By the way, this I'm telling great. you, it's a great. I, I, again, they haven't paid me a nickel, and but I love this company. And also, they're certified. Again, when I did my dongle reporting, it really is important to get the certified stuff yes. because it means Apple's tested it. Like Apple, I mean. Say what you want about buying some of these, you know, overpriced dongles. Apple tests all of those with their products, right? Um, In fact, it's funny. I just got an update. I plugged in one of these adapters and it said I needed to update the system for the dongle. Have you seen that pop up? Yes. Yes. And just an example of like that the two are integrated, right? Right. So, um, but the MFI, you know, it it might seem like it's a stupid little thing, but it's it's important to look for. Yeah, and this it's the same with the USB CIF stuff. You want to look yeah. for that USB IF certification. The other thing that Monoprice has, their mid priced ones have like flat cables, like a ribbon cable instead of a tube, and those mm-hmm. can be really nice yeah. too because they're a lot less likely to get tangled up if they're longer. Uh, anyway, they make great stuff. I love now having. You're the indi- making me want to do a column now, not on dongles, but cables. Yeah. Well, the monoprice cables are great, and I love having the indicator light, and I really miss having it on a MacBook. And one of the things is that it's it's our stupid house, the stupid house we live in. We have some – I don't know who the hell set up these goddamn sockets originally and thought it was a good idea, but there's way too many of them that are set up where they're connected to switches on the wall. Yeah, In right. places – and the only reason you'd ever want that is yeah. for plugging a light. But like in our kitchen, there is a light hanging from the ceiling – like, why would anybody put a wall uh, that we have? We have sockets that have that are you know meant to be hooked up to light switches in positions where you never want to put a light, and it's totally. Maddening. But that means we've got sockets that are sometimes off, and I love it. You know, and and there's right, other because things. somebody comes into the room and flicks it, but yeah. they don't realize that it's not, and so then you turn it off and you plug yeah. something in. And you're like, why is this not charging? Right. And the other common scenario for me, at least, is we you know it's somewhat older house. Um, and some some of the sockets are a little loosey goosey, and when you put the heavy MacBook charger right in the wall, sometimes gravity just pulls it out enough where it's not actually in. The yep. light, having the light actually go on when you plug it into the thing, mm-hmm. I find to be very very helpful because every once in a while I'll plug in a MagSafe on my MacBook and the light doesn't go on, and I know it's either plugged into a socket that needs a switch to be flipped or the thing on the wall isn't in all the way. Yeah. 
No, there, I, I'm with you on on the light, especially too. It's, I have the same situation, or sometimes it'll fall out. Like, um, well, like you know, yeah. you're pulling at it and it falls out, or like we, you know, the, when we had the dog and yeah. he was younger, we would take it, we would unplug everything um, because we didn't want him to eat anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you know, you think you you plug in your thing, you think it's charging, but then it's not charging because you don't see right. the light. And I always loved the orange to green. It's like. Yeah. Orange, you know it's still charging. Green, you know yeah. it's good. Yeah, you don't even have to open the thing. I really yeah. miss that. And these uh, lightning cables from Monoprice have those. So anyway, that's And that's by the way, while we're talking about cables, you know, this Griffin, Griffin makes the the fake MagSafe for USB-C. Yeah. Have you seen it? I, I've tested it. I didn't write about it. It's really not worth it. It doesn't because look then like you it's have, worth it. Then you have this little dongle thing. You have another dongle hanging off for <laughs> USB-C, you know, in the USB port. And you're just like, what the fuck should I do with that thing? You know, it's just like, and I've right. lost it. Like, I don't know where it is right now. I mean, this right. office is a mess already. But so you've lost the dongle for the whatever priced it's uh, like a, cable. It's a nubbin for your dongle. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is. It is. It's a, God bless it, Griffin for for having tried to make it, but it, yeah, no, to me, Griffin, it's, thank you, thank right. you. I'm I'm sorry to be mean to but your it product. It's not uh, worth it, but it doesn't um, satisfy. It doesn't. It's it's not the same. Yeah, no, it's not. It's um, I plan to send it back. Thank you, Griffin, for sending me this product that I did not like, but good work <laughs> making it. Um, yeah, no, I'm happy about Monoprice though. This is a great, great site. Uh, well, here's a complaint I have seen. And I it just did not occur to me while I was testing the device. But some people have said that with there's you know I, I bought a USB C uh, uh, thumb thumb drive, mm-hmm. you know because that's one of the little things that you you know you you know being able to plug a thumb drive in you just assume, you know USB A is so ubiquitous that it, it the first time I, I really did run into this while I was testing the the MacBook I was going to transfer just one thing with a thumb drive and I was like oh crap can't do that. Wow, that's weird. Um, so I bought a thumb drive that's USB-C. Uh, I've seen people say that they have some some USB-C th- things, probably not the cables, but you know, like drives or card yep. readers or something. They and, need to be powered. Well, but the, the problem on the new MacBook Pros is that the USB-C ports are too close to each other, that they're so close to each other that there are some things that you can plug in and it covers the other port or is at least close enough to the other port that you can't even plug the cable in. Well, that's that's exactly the problem that I have on the 13-inch, as we come back to the t- the 13-inch No Escape, whatever it's called, right. the MacBook No Escape. Can we just come up with another name for that? I don't really like, love the No Escape. No, anyway. it's, no, it's not No Escape. It is the MacBook Escape. Oh, the Mac Escape. Sorry. Because it has the MacBook an escape. escape. Yeah. On that, the ports are close to each other. Yeah. And I have this SD card reader that um, has to be powered. Because mm. many of these dongles don't require power to work, depending on what you're plugging into them and depending how good the dongle is. So this is one that's made by Hyperdrive. It's a really cheap uh, SD card, USB, uh, USB-C SD card reader, but you have to plug it. It requires power. And I can't plug in the power because it's blocking the port. <laughs> You laugh at my my life. Well, it's yeah. you know, but it's part of the thing. Yeah, it yeah. is part of the thing. I think I bought I bought an SD card reader too, and now I'm, I don't know where the hell I put it. I hope it's in my bag. Right. It's you know, look, it's like as much as people complain about these, and it does look silly and stupid. They complain. These are like these are things that people deal with in their everyday life, you know, and maybe some of us more than others. Yeah. I like. I'm lucky. I'm sitting here with like a giant bag of dongles. You know, 
<laughs> because I just called them all in when I was doing this this right. dongle piece. But um, no, I mean, like, literally, it's like five hundred dollars worth of dongles, if not more. Can I just add one other nice thing about Monoprice is that with other cables that they sell, they have some color choices. I and, know, and the color choices, if you if you if you think about it before you place your order, you can do some smart things. Where I what I started doing a few months ago is for. Oh, what's the old USB? The micro USB, right? The right. one that was sort of that's the real small, the smallest USB connector before USB C. But oh, it, mini, it, mini. Is it? I think it's micro. Mini was the one that was sort of small but fat. Well, whatever it is, the one. Which that you one used, are you talking about? Which the one that's standard on most miss uh, Android phones? That's yeah. micro. Oh, yeah, that's the one. So I still I need to have one of those because my Kindle charges with that, right. uh, and my uh, little Mophie battery packs charge with that. Um, so I, whenever I buy those, I just buy them in orange. And then when in my bag, it's very distinctive. It's not black. It's not white. The white ones are the worst because they could be anything. But if I see orange, I know exactly what it is. And I, there's no confusion. It's a great, if you have to put like a bunch of cables and stuff in a bag, having them color, color coordinated by type is, is. This is a genius. You're a genius. (laughs) This is truly like well, the most useful information I've ever gotten on anywhere and every ever. Apple's everything white is very good for their brand, but it is absolutely a disaster for a laptop bag <laughs> full of yeah. cables and dongles. It is absolutely terrible. I'm looking at these colors now. I was about to say when you said like this site is great and I was looking I was like, "Oh my god, I can get this red cord." Like right. I have always wanted a red yeah, but if you court. if you keep it by port, you know you can you know keep your keep your stuff logically uh, organized. This really is a site. Where it's a game you? changer. Game changer. It, this whole thing has been a game changer. All right, Worth let, every every moment of this conversation. All right, let me segue smoothly into into our third and final sponsor. Thank you uh, of the show. And this is a great one, but it's it is it is time sensitive. It, you need to listen to me. Listen to me now. Don't don't hear me later. It's Fracture. Fracture is the photo decor company that's out to rescue your favorite images from the digital ether. They take your photos, you upload them to Fracture, and they print them directly onto glass and add a laser-cut rigid backing. So they're ready to display right out of the box. They even include a wall anchor. You just upload your photo, pick the size, and that's it. That's it. And the quality is terrific. I've got a bunch... Uh, I've given a bunch of holiday gifts. Well, that's where I'm going with the time-sensitive nature. Here's the thing. These things are terrific gifts for your family. They really, really are. Uh, It's a great way to knock off a whole bunch of your holiday shopping uh, in one fell swoop. But you've got to do it now because it's everybody else thinks the same thing. And these things are all handmade down in Gainesville, Florida, from U.S. source materials in a carbon-neutral factory. Uh, but they can't, they, their peak capacity always gets reached. And at some point in the next week or two, they're going to hit the point where they cannot fulfill orders for the holiday season. We are recording this on November 30th. It's uh, probably going to air later tonight. I don't know what time you're listening to this or what day. But if you're listening to this anywhere in the beginning of December, you, you go act now. Hopefully it's not too late, but it's such a great gift idea. Don't just pause the podcast even and go do it now or make a note to do it. Um, 
because you're, you're going to kick yourself if you wait too long and miss the deadline for the holidays. Because it's a, it is an easy way to do your holiday to give to give gifts, and b, the people you give them to are going to love them. They are a people just love seeing pictures of friends and family, and b, technically they're they're just beautiful little things. And I'll say, well, how did you make this? There's no piece of paper behind the glass. It's just on the glass, and then you'll you can tell them about fracture yourself. They even come with a sixty day. They call it a happiness guarantee, so you're sure to love your order. Uh, so if you get it and you don't like it, you can just you know at sixty days you can send it back to them, and they'll give you your money back. Um, so for more information. And 10% off your first order, go to FractureMe.com slash podcast. Uh, that's really the URL, just slash podcast. And then uh, when you place your order, they give you a, a one-question survey, which is where did you hear about Fracture? That's where you can mention uh, the talk show. Uh, but remember it. Go do it now, right now. Just go do it for the holiday season. Pick your favorite photos that you've taken over the last year. Uh and get a bunch of fractures to give to your loved ones for the holidays. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's, I'm telling you, it's a very, very uh, popular gift among the people in my family. Spoiler, if you're in my family, you're probably getting fracture. <laughs> but because you're going to order it today. Yeah, I'm going to order it today. I'm not going to put it off. I'm not a procrastinator. I'm, I might go order. Uh, but mostly I'm going to mono price right away. Yeah. Uh, what else we have? I know the other thing is that your column, I think it just came out today on the spectacles, Snapchat. Yeah. yeah. Is it, are they called yesterday. Snapchat spectacles or are they now snap? What's the deal with the name chance? It like the, the social yeah. network is still called Snapchat, but the parent company is now snap. Is that, correct. Is that correct? Okay. Correct. Yeah. And it doesn't say Snapchat spectacles on here, but everyone's calling that. That's what they're called. Like people are calling them that because the app is still called Snapchat and they only really work with Snapchat. So it's not yeah. wrong to call them Snapchat spectacles. It's sort of wrong to add it. Like you can't, it's not the Snapchat's spectacles. It's not, you know, it doesn't belong to Snapchat. It would be Snap's spectacles. Yeah. You're my entire connection to Snapchat. I've, I've installed the app. I've looked at it. I don't understand it. And then you had a column a, a long while back earlier this year, which is what the hell is Snapchat? And it was the first time it ever made sense to me. Um, and this now is you've why got I'm a, here. You've got a review out of the Snapchat spectacles. I just, before we get into the spectacles, I just want to say, I saw this thing on Twitter yesterday and I forget who it was. I'm sorry if, if, if I know you, but someone, somewhere in my Twitter feed, someone was talking about um, uh, that they have a friend who has three teenagers and at all they were and, and over thanksgiving they they were together and and the topic came up that um every time facebook slash instagram copies something from snapchat it makes these teenagers more uh brand attached to snapchat that they they know what's going on they see it and it makes them rather than make them ah I'll just use Instagram instead of Snapchat it makes them want to use Snapchat more because they see it as the ripoff that it is and 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 in specific context of this was that Instagram has added mm -hmm. a a um a Snapchat like feature of notifying you when somebody you're communicating with takes a screenshot of one of the ephemeral things that you send them Right, right. Yeah, I mean, and the whole stories feature in right. Instagram, which was added, you know, a couple months ago, is a complete ripoff of Snapchat. Right. Um, and, you know, to some degree that really did work because I think it worked for people like you who were yeah. just like, why do I – I've already in Instagram 
Instagram used to be cool. I'm here. Uh, why should I go learn some complicated Snapchat thing? And then, you know, Instagram went and added Snapchat-like stuff, and people are like, okay, cool. Yeah, I think that it's, you know, like for the teens that they're, every you know, they use Snapchat yeah. because all their friends are already on it. I don't need Snapchat because... I don't really like the honestly I don't really care that much about the Instagram uh what do they call it stories I've started checking them out a little bit but I really don't pay attention to them anywhere near as much as just my regular Instagram feed yeah I mean yeah I I, I see them up there and I'll like click on them and I'm just like oh okay you know then but then you end up seeing like the same photo yeah. in some you know in your actual feed yeah so Have you posted any in there? I don't think I've seen that. Uh, like once or twice, and then I was like, "Why the hell am I doing this?" <laughs> it doesn't yeah. stick. For, it does not stick for me. I've put some in there, but it's not surprising that you haven't noticed them because it's, you know, they yeah, go they away. Go away. Right. Anyway, um, I thought that was just interesting, though. That at least it it, it might be. It might be giving some of the benefits of Snapchat to people who haven't signed up for it, like me, where I'm seeing these stories from the people I follow on Instagram. But it doesn't, you know, it's not doing anything to draw teenagers and the people who are Snapchat's core market away from Snapchat. That if anything, it, you know, and again, it's anecdotal. It's one guy talking about his friends, three teenagers, but it's pretty interesting, I thought. Yeah. I mean, I think it makes sense. I think that like the, and especially the brand's awareness that's happened around these glasses, um, like the, the scramble to get them, it, it, they have this really strong, um, you know, just for better or worse, like cool, coolness, you know, um, it, and, and I think part of it is like, they haven't really caved to being this sort of like mainstream place uh, like they do have the whole discover thing with all the brands and stuff like that. And they try and sort of shove that down your face, but there's still the core of what Snapchat is, which is, you know, building these stories or sending your expiring photos and videos. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. And, and, and I think since I've written that piece, the the piece about, you know, what is Snapchat and how to use it, I feel like, Many adults sort of either they sort of just were like, okay, I, I get what it is now, but I'm not going to use it. Or they've, you know, they've started to use it and they've sort of just said, this is a place where there are, are, are younger people and there's stuff to do here and I don't really need to know what's happening here. Right. I guess it's a thing and I don't, I, I get it now, but I don't need to know it. Right. Like it's for me, honestly, it's like I don't, I don't want to hang out in a bar where I'm 20 years older than. <laughs> everybody else is who's in the bar yeah like, i don't know that i would go running away but i might just you know finish finish one drink and you know pay the i tab. love it for some reason and i have a lot of people in here that like our colleagues or friends yeah. that are 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 similar age to me for sure um yeah i mean and but it's like it is random things that you don't really have to think that much about you know twitter yeah. I mean, I'm kind of over Twitter. I need to like get get out of Twitter for a little bit. But um, yeah, it's just like stuff that you know. And then the filters are fun. You know, the filters are really fun to play around with. Um, even though now some of them are so promotional for some of these companies, it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it's the the glasses are interesting because. Obviously, they've done what Google Glass just never did, which was make wearing a camera super cool, right? It's Everyone's such an interesting comparison in so many ways. 
from like yeah. just a simple design perspective of what they look like, uh, how much they cost. And, you know, honestly, I think it really comes down to the fact that, okay, they, they announced these spectacles a couple of weeks ago, but that's not a, 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 a vaporware announcement. They're out now, right? I mean, there's people who have, you know, the production ones are out in the real world. So it's not like, you know, whereas Google Glass was, I forget what Google called it, but it was, you know, for yeah. the Explorers program or something like that. And they were expensive and they were just so weird. And and, and uh, in so many ways, everything about it from the how much they cost to what they look like to, to the envisioned usage of like recording everything everywhere versus these spectacles, which are uh, the design wise, they're so obviously toys. Right. right, and they're they're not to be taken seriously in any way. Like, and maybe that's just the bottom line: was that Google Google Glass was clearly meant to be taken seriously, <laughs> and it, it I couldn't take it seriously. But it it was such an earnest device. Whereas these things are just hey, have fun with some sunglasses that have take ten second burst videos, or you know what I mean? Totally, and I mean. As, and and I think they're totally awesome. Like, uh, even though I was totally frustrated with this experience of trying to get them, which led to this funny story that I wrote about all these people scrambling to go to these vending machines to get these things. I mean, it's totally insane. Um, they're awesome because they're just so simple, right? Yeah. They, and that was the other thing about Google Glass. It was like, they were trying to do all of this stuff. They were overlaying things. They were, you know, it was all this complicated technology uh, to swipe places. There was voice control. This is just so simple um, that you that you just feel like it's so easy to capture the moment that you're looking at and the and the point of view video is awesome. I'm obsessed with it to begin with and and you know being able to like instantly share it, although the the Bluetooth pairing is a, a bit of an issue. Um, it just works. It's just like super easy and and works. Um, but you know it's a lot of hype about something that's really very simple. Uh, what's your experience with like, like the quality of the video, not that good. Is 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 it difficult in low light? I mean, what what are the what are low the low light is low light is not good at all. Um, but like again, they're sunglasses. So when are you really going to be wearing them that <laughs> much in low light? Like I, you know, I I I sh the video my video this week we shot pretty much like it's a shot of me on the left hand side with our regular camera and then the shot from the the spectacles on the right hand side for most of the video um and the, i mean obviously the quality is just like you can very much see the difference and i you know my first idea for the video was like let's shoot the whole video with the spectacles and just when i started watching the footage i was like nobody's going to watch more than a minute of this like it's right. just not it's 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 grainy it's it's some of it's blurry um you know, I, I saw some people saying that they think it's as good as an iPhone. I don't agree at all. Even when you export it as HD directly from the glasses into the app and then directly to uh, your phone, it, it does not look like a, an iPhone or a, a good smartphone. I think it's a clever design choice to make them sunglasses because that it, it says this is, you know, yep. you can use them wherever you want, but they're meant to be used outside where there's daylight. Which is yeah, a huge difference for, you know, a camera that has, uh, you know, trouble with, you know, low light. Totally. And that, that was the piece that I wrote this week, which was like, um, these are really fun and exciting and we should all be like, 
we should be excited about this kind of thing. It's 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 an interesting way of of taking uh, video, and I wish it took photos without shoving a phone in your face, right, in somebody's face. And like the the clips I've captured of kids who are sort of scared of of the phone, or you know, sort of back away and get a little shy, and when when you stick the phone in their face, or even my dog, my dog knows about the phone. You know, he's always like kind of like pushes it out of the way, right? <laughs> he he doesn't like the phone. Um, it, that that kind of goes away with these, but there's still this. Um, there is this stigma of being able to record people when they don't know, and and you definitely can do that with these. I, I said in the piece, like I've recorded many moments this week that people did not know I was recording because you're not holding a phone up, and there's this you're, there the social norms around holding up a phone. People right. know you're recording something, something weird is happening. You're sort of staring. Like there's one situation I'm staring at a barista with these sunglasses on, and she's like, "What the." You know, she's yeah. looking at me weird, which is good because she she notices that something's different. But also, I don't think she necessarily knew that there was video recording. Um, you know, maybe she thought I was like shooting lasers in my, I don't know what she, she might have thought. But right. um, yeah, it's really interesting. I, you know, the, the piece I wrote was that we sort of need to have some rules around wearing cameras. Um because this is this is just the start of it, right? Like the the augmented reality glasses and the headsets are are, are likely to have cameras, um, and we have to sort of we need to be respectful of people when we when we are putting these things on, even if they do look like fun, cool es- things. Yeah, especially as they become more and more subtle. I mean, these are you know these right. <laughs> if you're walking around indoors with these, it's obvious you've got. If people don't know what they are, they just at least know they're something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's not going to be too long before you'll have glasses that could have a camera on them, where you really have to look closely to notice that there's a camera on them. It's it's right. not going to be long. Uh, you know, and it's not like you know, like if you strapped a GoPro to your head or. Or, or like you do on some yeah. of your videos when you you strap an SLR to your head. <laughs> and it's, and I I tweeted about this yesterday. The the spectacles cannot replace that. No. The the technology of my helmet camera is just far too good, and the design is far too good <laughs> for me to replace them with these toy sunglasses. Well, it'll happen soon, though. I mean, just look at what yes. happened with the iPhone, right? The original iPhone nine years ago didn't even shoot video. Period. Yeah, which is crazy if you think about it. Like, and I, I've looked. That there have been several times over the years when I've thought, "Wait, am I misremembering that? Maybe it shot really bad video." And then I go back, and it's like, "Nope, didn't shoot video." Yeah. Uh, so it went from shooting no video to shooting really terrible video to now shooting better video than my than my twelve hundred dollar Fuji because it has image stabilization on the video and the Fuji doesn't. And does your Fuji shoot four K? No. I mean, not that, that you probably no. shoot that for much 4K with your iPhone, but no. But if I wanted to, I could, which is you know, kind of amazing. Right. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is going to happen, and I, and I think glasses are thi- are going right. to be a, 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 the next big wave of what we see um, in this you know whether it be AR VR world, right. um, and especially ones that do look like very normal glasses that look like you know the Warby Parkers and and yep. the Ray Bans. How, so these are 130 bucks. Do you think what what's the word on availability? Like are they going to are they like there's no way that like they're going to meet demand for the holidays? Well so you're you know how they're sort of selling them in these pop-up vending machines? Yeah. Yeah. So um so that's how I got into this story. So I like I wanted to I wanted to review these 
Snapchat said, no, review units. You have to go to these these vending machines. And so, you know, they started popping up mostly in California. A few times I asked someone to go wait in line and there were, the lines were three or four or five hours deep. Wow. And people were waiting in the lines and not getting them. I had a friend who stood out in Venice for me. Um, or no, sorry, Santa Monica. Uh, they were in line for four hours, never ended up getting them. You know, Snapchat has done an incredible job, Apple-like job of creating hype around these things um, with the lines, with the marketing. It's, it's, it, I mean, it's pretty incredible as a user. It's totally, it's, it's the worst. It's really bad. But from when you look at it from a tech company perspective, uh, the tech, you know, industry perspective, I don't know the last time a company has created this much hype around a, a gadget. Yeah. Um, other than Apple, right? Yeah. Um, so they've done that. They've really done that with these with these things. And then and then there's the resale market, right? Because you could only yeah. get these. Uh, so I wrote this pa- this front page piece. I wrote an ahead for the journal about these people who were going to insane lengths to get to the vending machines so they could buy the $130 glasses and quickly flip them for ten times the price um, on eBay. Right. That's so, I mean, again, I, I really don't think that there's any comparison other than to Apple. Totally. I mean, right. and it like, you know, when I was, I started telling people about this and they're like, well, isn't, aren't the lines basically just like Apple? And, you know, I was like, well, they are, they definitely are. But the scarcity of it and the fact that they're only releasing them in these vending machines in random places, um, you know, has created madness. I mean, imagine if Apple did that. I mean, if Apple did that now, it would be totally madness, right? Yeah. You only could get your, the new iPhone. I mean, people would probably line up for, for an Apple product like a, one of these, probably this USB-C dongle, if it was some sort of special thing. You know, it only came from certain types of vending machines and it was the only thing you could get. Well, maybe the dongle's a bad example, but right. whatever. Um, so yeah, they've done like this crazy, <laughs> this crazy, I mean, I said it was, you know, it's Evan Spiegel's version of the Hunger Games, basically. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> dropping random vending machines in random parts of the country and seeing who who goes to it um but yeah a lot it's a very simple product that's the thing at the end of the day it's such a simple product um and it's something that's like the technology has been around for years you could buy these cameras you know a hundred dollars on amazon for a you know camcorder glasses you know what you could get these things the only other I, i thought of another example the other example would be tesla where with the yeah. I, I'm going to forget the name of their upcoming mid you know thirty four whatever the mid priced uh, sedan is but the, the S yeah is, is that it the well it's whatever it's called the, the whatever the new one that's that's not out for another two years and they got so many pre orders you know that the the it was backed up people were you know signing up you know again you don't have to pay for the whole price pre order but tremendous tremendous you know get in line buy it sight unseen uh, brand awareness. Right, right. Price-wise, you know, yeah. $130 sunglasses are a little different than a $50,000 car. But still, it just speaks, though. To me, it's a, it, it is a under, maybe undervalued by many people way to measure a brand, you know. That there's very, very, there's only, you can count them on one hand, the companies that can do something like this. Yeah, I, I mean, and you didn't really think Snapchat could, but they have, you yeah. know, and they're going to IPO soon. And um, I think it's. I mean, tremendous. I think they're a fascinating company. I do too, and I think, and again, I don't. I, I'm, you know, I'm not an expert on them. I don't use the service, but I, you know, as a, I, I am fascinated, and I do like reading stories about them. And to me, the demand for these these uh, spectacles is an excellent uh, 
I think it's excellent news for anybody who's involved with the IPO because to me that sort mm-hmm. of brand awareness, brand trust, brand enthusiasm maybe is the best way to put it is is a valuable thing and it's yep. the sort of thing that that isn't likely to dissipate quickly. Yeah, and I think you know it's funny like we spend what an hour, an hour and 55 minutes talking about laptops, right? right. Snapchat has no presence on right. computers. None. None. Right. And um, even less than Instagram, which at least has a website that is, you know, more or less meant to be used on a on a desktop computer. And it's fat, you know, I make a video series. I, I do one video a week that basically we do it does go on our platform, but it goes on Snapchat and we have far more viewers on Snapchat for the for the video than we have anywhere else. And um, you know, the, the the A, that means that whatever I'm doing is resonating with people on Snapchat, which is great, but it also just means like people are so hungry to watch these videos in this format. Yeah. And, you know, I, like I did that piece a couple of months ago on vertical video, and I, I hope that there will be some sort of solution down down the road. I actually you know these these take um circular video which i think is pretty cool um how does that seen work that? though on the yeah but how does that work on the desktop like if you just like oh you, it just exports a circle so you like when you open it like in quicktime player or whatever on your mac it just plays in a circle yeah watch my video this week All because right. we I like did watch put, your video and did you but, see the circles yeah so the circle is actually what you get yeah, like the, the the shots where there's like the circle on white. Yeah. Like there's the circle in the middle and then white on the other side. So we get like a big polka dot. That's how it exports. Fascinating. And then as you're watching it, the cool thing is as you're watching it on the phone. Yeah. And you can watch watch Joanna's video and you'll see it. But as you rotate the phone, it just takes a rectangle within the circle. So if you're holding your phone vertically, it takes a vertical yeah rectangle within the circle and then as you rotate it just you know you never see you never see black bars it's always fills the screen yeah and the and the weird thing is like it, it it's the framing with the glasses isn't great like you don't really know like that's where you could see like an augmented reality thing right. being very helpful in these like if there was a way to sort of be looking at your glasses and say this is the center of your frame you know or like a, you know Actually, it would be really cool if they showed you inside where the circle really is. Because, yeah. um, like, there are no many shots where I would, like, take a shot of the dog and, like, half the dog's face was cut off. Um, you know, like, oh, yeah, it's like, love to capture a memory with, you know, half a child's face in it. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, they're just doing really interesting things around video. What's interesting, like, the, you know, in the piece where um, – it was a journal magazine piece and Evan Spiegel announced that he was making these and renaming the company snap. And he, he kept saying that the company is now a camera company. Um, it's interesting positioning. I keep thinking the company is much more of a, uh, like a TV network hmm. or this, uh, or, or it's sort of more of like the YouTube of, of mobile in my, in my sort of thinking about it. But it seems like he's very set on controlling the camera experience and giving people interesting ways to use their smartphone or now glasses camera. Right. Um, so it makes you wonder what kind of other camera products they're going to work on. Um, but given that, like today, there's news that GoPro just laid off 15% of their workforce. So, you know, great time to be in the camera business. <laughs> I, I think GoPro, I, I mean, it'd be a I'm not an expert on that either, but I think GoPro has always been. I've always seen them as the next uh, flip. Remember the flip yeah. cameras? Totally, totally. And uh, it, it's I've never and then whenever I've said that to people, they they've had oh no because blank blank and it's like I, I don't everything you just said to me doesn't make any sense to me. They're exactly like the flip where they you know had a couple of good years because they were ahead of the game, but that other you know there's there's nothing to sustain it. Um. 
I, I, I've already noticed I see less people w- with GoPros at places like the beach and stuff like that. Like a couple of years ago when no, you know, it was like yeah. the only safe way people felt to, you know, take p- photos at the beach. I think now that we have at least splash proof phones, I see a lot more people who are willing to like, you know, go knee deep in the water with the phone in their hand to take a picture and, you know, no longer need to have a GoPro. I think I actually tweeted that during the one of the event, uh, the Apple, the iPhone event. It was like, this is the worst news for GoPro. Right. You know, right. this, this, because I, I'm that way now. Like, I don't worry about using my, I, I use my phone in the shower on election night. <laughs> I, I tweeted that. Too. I, like, I was legitimately in the shower <laughs> looking at CNN, looking at the Expo. I was like, oh, you know, it. It's 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 really it, you don't really when when it was announced that this is going to be waterproof splash proof you know it's all this fun stuff we, like and I obviously did a lot of the pool stuff or whatever right. but there it's just there's this huge level of anxiety that just goes away yeah and and especially at the beach or the pool or you know you're trying you're washing your dog or you're washing your child and you don't really care that the phone gets wet. Um, those were the I, times you would take out the GoPro. Right? I've always been paranoid about using my phone in the rain. Honestly, I, I've always been super paranoid about, you know, scorching a, whatever you call it, you know, ruining a phone by getting it wet. Even though like the headphone jack has pointed, it has been on the bottom for a while. I don't know, but it's, yeah. you know, I feel much better now. Anything else you want to talk about? I think we could wrap up otherwise, unless you have a topic. No, I think I'm, you know, I'm, so what am I doing about the laptop? Am I <sighs> buying your old one? You're currently... <laughs> No, you're not buying my own because I don't want to get a new one yet. I want to. I'm going to hold on to it for another year. Yeah, because you wouldn't have to make this decision. I mean, I'm in the case where I would. I'm probably going to. Yeah, this is a company laptop. I might see if we have any old pros hanging around. Um, It's not that it doesn't work. It works fine, but I just need. I I need a little bit more. I've been doing more video stuff, and And you got to get rid of that non-retina screen. That's the non-retina screen is is a thing. It's going to wreck your eyes. It's gonna wreck my eyes. <laughs> I think you got to tell Walt. Walt's got got this next air all all set for, for the for the apocalypse. You know, I by the time he needs it, it the the next MacBook Pros will be out. It, it's it's he's he's never gonna open that box because by the time by the time he even would be tempted to, it's he's he can get a, a MacBook Pro that will you know, and the dongle situation will be way better. There'll be USB C everywhere. That's true. I say, uh, you know, ultimately, if you can wait a little bit until the, you know, USB-C everywhere is a little bit closer to the truth and maybe even one more generation of these comes out, it's probably worth it. But if you, you know, really are desperate, I, I wouldn't hesitate to just get the the MacBook Pro with Touch Bar right now if you really need it. If you can wait a year, I would wait a year. Yeah, I guess I'll wait a year. I'm curious when the, I mean, I don't want to go on a long discussion here, but I'm curious when, because I know it's going to happen, is that the MacBook Air is going to go away. Uh, I think the fact that they didn't update it at all is shows that it's going to. Um, it's either going to go away or Apple will like start dropping the actual price and sell it for like $7.99 instead of $9.99. But I don't think that they'll do that. I kind of think that yeah. they, the Mac is a thing that, they, like with the iPad, they'll keep dropping the price. But I think the Mac is something where they want to maintain the average selling price. And I think that sooner rather than later, the MacBook Air will truly disappear and the MacBook will drop to $9.99. Yeah, and I think there's a push to, I think there's a push to get people to buy those iPad Pros. 
You know, when you look yeah. at really what you, what you can do, I mean, you're, you're, it's really the difference of an operating system. Yeah. Well, and the prediction, here's a prediction with absolute zero sourcing whatsoever. I don't have any inside information on this, but it's just my gut feeling as to how Apple does stuff like this is that sometime in the first half of next year, I don't know. I don't remember when the MacBooks, the regular 12 inch MacBooks got updated last year. I, I think it was like April or May or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, maybe around that time again, they will update them and they will get the touch bar. Hmm. Um, and the one without the touch bar will Drops. remain unchanged and drop in price. I don't know that that's, I don't think they'll quite get rid of the air yet, but then it's like maybe like within the next 18 months, that device, the MacBook without the touch bar will drop to $999. And aren't there some rumors about a new iPad Pro? Oh, I think that they'll def- I think they'll definitely do that in March. And I don't have mm-hmm. any information on that other just my hunch that they're not going to go that long without updating the iPad Pro and they've already got this new what are they up to now the A10 processor in the iPhone 7 whatever they call it. Yeah. A9, right. A10, whatever. Uh yeah, and they'll just put but they'll update I think what they'll do is update both iPad Pros at the same time, the big big one and then a medium sized one. I hope they update that keyboard. The keyboard cover. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, 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 it never. It's all right, but it never did it for me. Yeah, it's a good way to get happy with the MacBook Pro keyboard, though. That's spend true. Some- <laughs> That's true. You're like, oh, this is wonderful. <laughs> spend some time with that one. All right, I have a all bunch right. of links in the show notes to your recent work, uh, but people can always find you at the Wall Street Journal, and then on Twitter. What's your Twitter Twitter handle? Just Joanna Stern. Just spell it at out. Joanna. Joanna, J-O-A-N-N-A, Stern, <laughs> S-T-E-R-N. I always ask I people. D- and I, I should have done it in your in your voice. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's funny how many times I have somebody on the show who I see on Twitter and interact with on Twitter all the time, and I completely draw a blank on what their, their Twitter handle is. Because it's yeah. sort of like phone numbers, you know what I mean? Like once you have them in your Twitter feed, you don't really need to, to pay attention to it. Yeah, and Twitter doesn't make it easy to like add names sometimes. Even that like autocomplete thing doesn't really work that well. Yeah, I don't even. Honest to God, I don't even know my wife's phone number. I I think I know it. Uh, I think I think I know it, but I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to bet that I get every digit correct because I mm-hmm. ninety nine times out of a hundred, I I just tap her in the favorites, and then like, but like sometimes like I'll go and pick up a prescription or something like that, and they're like you know, what's the phone number? And I have to fish out my phone and like look at her contact and read it. Yeah. I, I, I think I know my wife's, I, and I, I don't know like immediate family members anymore. It's just like, I know, I know my home line, know my like parents, my parents' home line. I know my parents and I know like my best friend from high school's. Yeah, I, still, I know my best friend from high school's <laughs> cell phone number, but I don't, and my home number, no, but I don't know my not, parents' cell phone number. Not cell phone. I know my best friend from high school's home phone number oh. that I haven't dialed in, I don't know, 20, 22 years. Right, because he doesn't live there anymore. Right, but I dialed it so many times as a teenager that it's like completely burned into my burned into my mind. Anyway, thank you, Joanna. What a, what a great time talking to you. Yes, you too. <laughs> 